don't know if you've ever had the misfortune of having me try to start a conversation with you. <laughs> now, this may have happened maybe just before G2 one Sunday. Um, it could even be one of the first Sundays that you came to G2. Um, and if so, you might have realized that I'm actually quite bad at starting conversations. After the initial kind of, uh, hi. Uh, <laughs> my mind just draws a blank so often. And I uh, just rack my brain trying to think of something to say. Often I just panic and resort to the first thing that comes into my head, which is not the greatest thing to do, uh, but it's the best that I've got at the time. Uh, more often than not, this relates to how warm or cold it is in this room or how warm or cold it is outside the room. But I think the worst example uh, ever of me trying to start a conversation with someone before G2 happened a few weeks ago. Um, now, I can't quite remember. It was two people. I don't know who they were, uh, which is probably a good thing. Um, and I just apologize to you if you're here at the moment. And after the initial kind of, hi, how's it going? Um, I just thought I'd ask them how long they'd been going out, to which they replied that they weren't a couple. <laughs> no backpedaling from that. That's just one example of me trying to start a conversation and failing miserably. But I find the same thing happens uh, with prayer. I find that trying to start a conversation with God can be a real challenge sometimes. And when I try to pray, the conversation kind of falters and I just panic about what to say. And I find myself unable to get the conversation off the ground. My mind has all these things buzzing around, things like, oh, this is a bit of a waste of time, surely. There must be better things I can be doing. Oh, when was the last time I really prayed? It's been a while. Really ought to make more time for prayer. Why does everyone else seem to find prayer so easy? And all these things seem to create a huge burden as I start to pray, such a huge burden that I just often give up. So burdened by discouragement and overwhelmed by the enormity of prayer, I often find it easier just not to pray. Do you ever find the same things come up for you? Well, maybe for you, the idea of prayer in general just seems a bit ridiculous. Maybe the world you live in, the people around you would seem shocked if they knew that you prayed. Maybe you yourself think it just seems, well, it just seems a bit absurd, doesn't it? We shouldn't be relying on talking to God. And I also have times where I find the concept of prayer absurd. Breaking the silence by speaking into the seemingly empty void above us can make us feel absurd. But the problem is, contrary to that, we sometimes find ourselves with the urge to pray. Perhaps a prayer of last resort prompted by tragedy, or a prayer of thanks for beauty or birth. But often we find ourselves relying on the comfort of offering prayers to God and find ourselves thinking it ridiculous that surely as a child stops relying on a comforting blanket, so too we ought to stop relying on the comfort of offering prayers to God. And this lands us in this situation that when the impulse to pray strikes us, we find all kinds of resistance and criticism arising in us. That while nothing is simpler than speaking to God, nothing is so firmly resisted because of its implications. Surely we should be self-sufficient. Surely in growing up and moving away from home, maybe in earning our own money, we shouldn't be relying on something so simple as talking to God. We should be able to solve our own problems now. 
Prayer is surely reserved for the weak and the dependent. We pride ourselves on our self-sufficiency. And so in starting the conversation of prayer with God, we find ourselves overcoming this aversion to stop and cross the line into prayer. Or maybe it's that we don't want to start the conversation because we think God doesn't care what we have to say. Maybe our view of God is more like a strict Victorian school teacher who'd rather punish us than understand, who prefers criticism to curiosity. Have you ever come to pray thinking of God like that and just getting filled with self-doubt and awkwardness? Do you have this view that when you come to God, he would far rather silence us than consider what you'd have to say? That God really doesn't want to hear from where you're at and your position. So, in coming to pray, in trying to get the conversation off the ground, we're faced with all these objections, insecurities, doubts, and fears. And I realize that some people here may not be looking forward to a series on prayer because of all the issues that you come up with every time you try and pray. So the question is, faced with all of this, how do we even start to pray? How should we tackle this question of starting the conversation? Well, it seems reasonable to start where Jesus started. Jesus' first um, public training program was the Sermon on the Mount, delivered over several days on a mountainside and recorded at the start of Matthew's Gospel. In it, Jesus outlines the way of life that brings us into contact with God. It was an invitation from him to live the kind of life that he lived. It's a great place to begin Um, looking at our conversation with God as we start this series on prayer. So Jesus' first words in the Sermon on the Mount were eight poetic statements, each of which is an invitation to explore more of God. The Beatitudes, blessings that Jesus pronounces on certain ways of life. And through these Beatitudes, spoken on a mountainside 2,000 years ago, Jesus invites us today to meet God, to begin the conversation with him in the here and now. And we're going to explore the very first one today. Matthew 5, verses 1 to 3 says, Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God in this translation. Now realize that this is a bit incomprehensible. We don't really use phrases like, poor in spirit, or kingdom of heaven, or kingdom of God in everyday language. Well, the kingdom of God is just the stuff of God. Jesus is inviting us to begin an exploration of the stuff of God. But what about being poor in spirit? What does that mean? It's not obvious when you first read it. Now, to understand what this means, we need to understand the context into which Jesus was speaking when he began his teaching ministry. This was a culture of honor and show, exclusivity and hierarchy, a culture in which the religious elite, the Pharisees, would look down on those that they considered to have no honor at all. The prostitutes, the lepers, the Gentiles, the unclean people of no spiritual value, so-called spiritual zeros. Zero religious experience, zero spiritual credentials. These religious leaders said that such people were far from God, far down the spiritual pecking order. And they kept up their spiritual hierarchy with these spiritual zeros, the people at the bottom of it. 
Now bear with me, but this really reminds me of a scene I love in uh, one of my favorite films, which is The Grand Budapest Hotel. And if you've never seen the movie, let me explain. There's a bit which I'm going to show on the screen in a minute um, where a young boy called Zero is wanting to work as a lobby boy at the prestigious Grand Budapest Hotel. But the concierge, Monsieur Gustave, isn't too pleased. Let's watch the clip. So right from the beginning, um, Monsieur Gustave lays eyes on Zero. He makes him feel like he just doesn't belong in the role that he's been hired for. Experience, zero. Education, zero. Family, zero. He's even called Zero. He makes clear that someone like Zero doesn't really belong in a role at such a famous hotel. So it was a bit like this in the culture that Jesus was speaking into. The religious leaders would make those whose spiritual experience was Zero, those whose spiritual education was Zero, feel like they didn't belong. They were surely too far from God to be speaking to him. These were the spiritual zeros. But we see in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus turns this on its head. He is saying that the spiritual zeros, the poor in spirit, many of those who were considered far from God were the ones to whom his kingdom belonged. It's the spiritual zeros with whom God wanted to start the conversation. Remember that these are the first recorded words of Jesus' first public training program in the New Testament. He thought it was so important that it needed to come front and center. Jesus came to turn people's views of God's kingdom on its head. His message was that the stuff of God was available for those who felt like they didn't belong. Those who had been segregated and separated off from the people of God. God's kingdom was all about connecting with those people. Those who'd previously been told that they didn't belong now had a place to belong. Jesus said it was to those spiritual zeros that the kingdom of heaven belonged and God wanted people who didn't belong to know that and to know that he wanted to hear from them. Have you ever felt like a spiritual zero? Has anyone ever made you feel like you just don't belong have you ever felt like God would never want to hear from you where you're at? That you don't feel like you're ever in the right place to be starting a conversation with God? What I'd say is that Jesus' words are still true today. If anyone has ever said to you that you're a spiritual zero, that's not how Jesus views you. Maybe you've not really been to church or not been very much just for fear of not belonging or maybe you've been to church for years, but honestly, you still feel like you don't belong. Well, Jesus is saying, it's to you the kingdom of God has come. And God wants to meet you where exactly where you're at. Anyone can talk to God. There is no hierarchy. God doesn't want to hear more from one person than from another. And here today at G2, there isn't a spiritual hierarchy. You don't have to try and be like anyone else. The exploration of the stuff of God is not solely the preserve of the seemingly spiritual. And it's the same for prayer. That as we start this series and start the conversation with God, starting the conversation is not the preserve of anyone in particular. There is no hierarchy. And it's also a challenge to those of us who think we have it spiritually together. 
For us, maybe being poor in spirit is to acknowledge that we don't have it all together. It's an openness to new ideas, that we're not totally self-sufficient. A willingness that our hardened views of God may be wrong, that our notions of God may fall short of grasping all of what he's really like. And we have no place to patronize or look down on anyone else. Our attitude can be one of being poor in spirit, to be willing to change our minds, to open ourselves up to God. To be poor in spirit is to be willing to accept our opinions and beliefs as provisional and potentially alterable. But on the other hand, to be spiritually rich is to live thinking that we know everything about God and everything about our lives. To be closed off to God and in doing so, see no point in starting a conversation with him. To be poor in spirit is to live the realization that we know so little about God that we only see in part, and even more, that we don't even know ourselves. Being poor in spirit means admitting that what we don't know far outweighs what we've been able to grasp so far. There's more of a mystery to be sought out than we realize. There's still a lot to explore together. Being poor in spirit spurs us on to start the conversation. So Jesus blessing the poor in spirit means that we can meet God exactly where we're at. God doesn't look for us to get it all together before starting the conversation with him. So often I feel, and I think we feel, that we have to put on these airs and graces to pretend that we're something that we're not in order to start talking to him. We think God prefers prayer to be formal or that we need to put on an attitude and use the right words So we avoid contact with God and it drives us away from starting the conversation with him because we think he leaves no room for what really matters to us. Roger Brotherton says on the first beatitude that maybe we feel like God seems interested in our presence but not our personality. He knows the number of hairs on our head but he doesn't care what color we dye them. But God is not looking for people who can offer him a seamless performance. The kingdom of God belongs not to the seemingly religious, but to the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, not those who think they've got it all together. And what Jesus is saying is that if you don't think you know all there is to know about his kingdom, then yours is the kingdom of God. That God is wanting to communicate with you and values hearing from wherever you're at. So if you're uncertain about faith or exploring God, you don't need to know everything about God before trying to talk to him. You may not even fully believe that he's there listening to you. But having an open spirit doesn't require us to believe in God, but to simply acknowledge the possibility that he may be there. Openness allows the possibility of faith. And for those of us who've been walking and living with God for a while, Jesus is encouraging us still to be open to God Are you still open to the possibility of there being mystery left to discover? Being poor in spirit is to acknowledge that we don't have it all figured out. An openness to knowing more of who God is and what he's like. Do you meet God where you're at? Or have you become so used to putting on a show or thinking like you need to act in a certain way or using the words that you think you ought to use that you just don't know how to be yourself before him anymore. Neither way, Jesus wants to hear from you where you are, however poor in spirit you feel. 
that's the place where God wants to meet us, and that's the place where we can start the conversation. So we're going to spend um, a bit of time just starting the conversation together, or restarting the conversation with God. Um, Jesus blessing spiritual poverty means that we can meet God right where we're at. That if we come to pray and we don't know what to say, then we can say we don't know what to say. We can begin by saying we don't know where to begin. And what looks to us maybe like spiritual incompetence, God accepts as a gift. Our willingness to take the risk of opening ourselves up to him and sharing our most secret thoughts with him, our desires and hopes, as well as our fears and failures. So I'm just going to talk us through a time of prayer, which involves us sharing ourselves with God to help us start the conversation by talking about how we feel or what bothers us, who we're grateful for or are grieved at, what confuses or excites us. It's an exercise in spilling out to God whatever's going on, allowing some requests to form and offering these as simple starters for prayer. So let me just explain what we're going to do, and then we'll have a bit of quiet um, to still ourselves before God, and I'll talk us through it. Um, So you might want to start just by telling God what you're intending to do and asking that he listens to you. So it might feel a bit strange, so you can tell him just something simple like, Lord, I'm going to spend a few minutes talking out my thoughts and concerns to you. I ask that you're here and listen to what I say. Just something like that. If you feel silly praying, tell him you feel silly. And then just talk to God about anything at all that's on your mind. The key to sharing yourself with God is to start where you're at. No posturing, no airs and graces, no formality. Just take your time and ask yourself, what really matters to me right now? And talk out to God whatever seems pertinent. And then once you've talked this out to God, um, see if you can find a simple need or a request that you'd be happy to turn into a single line of prayer. You might want to consider how you say it and then just state it simply and straightforwardly. And then repeat this process of sharing thoughts with God and sculpting them into a line of prayer as many times as you like um, and just with whatever concerns arise. And then you might want to draw things to a close just by thanking God for hearing your prayers, um, which sounds a bit premature, but it comes from a long spiritual tradition of giving thanks to God for having heard our prayers. Something as simple as thank you for listening. Amen. Something like that. So that's what we're going to do. I'll explain just a little bit as we spend this time um, starting the conversation with God together. Um, But let's start. If you feel comfortable, it helps me. Um, You can close your eyes. And let's just enjoy a few moments of silence. Tell God what you're intending to do and just ask that he listens to you. Remember, no airs or graces, no formality. And then just talk to him about anything that really matters to you right now and see if you can turn that after you talked it through into a simple request. <laughs> 